It's getting close now, fantasy coaches. AFLX is done and dusted, which means JLT games are just around the corner, and we've still got plenty of fantasy news to get through. I'm your host, Migs, and this is the FanPod40.com AFL Fantasy Preseason Podcast, episode number five, Pod Ownership. Before fantasy coaches get a glimpse of their players in the upcoming JLT preseason matches and start to shuffle the cards around again, I'll be taking a look at some of the players of difference known in fantasy circles as pods. Arguably one of the most satisfying feelings in AFL fantasy, and supercoach for that matter, is nailing a pod when your league mates don't have them in their team. What's even more satisfying is watching them try to justify not trading them in, only to finally realise your pod is a required player if there are any chance to make the fantasy finals. I can almost guarantee that the majority of fantasy coaches have their eye on one or two diamonds in the rough. They've been tracking all pre-season long hoping and praying they don't get a mention and fly under the radar until round one kicks off where their fantasy glory will be revealed to all and you're sitting there with a huge smirk on your dial. Angus Brayshaw in 2018 was a prime example. His ownership exploded as he continued churning out huge scores after being a mid-priced injury risk with low ownership. It's safe to say this won't be the case in 2019, but there's always another Angus out there as a new season dawns on us and we're going to do our best to get another Angus in our teams as early as possible. I'll also be revealing some of the current highest percentage of ownership players that coaches could potentially fade on early in the season to try and gain advantage by spending their dollars elsewhere. So let's get into it and start turning your vanilla team into something a little more flavoursome. Okay, so in no particular order, I'm going to give you five players that have 3% or lower ownership a week out from JLT. In previous seasons, some of these players I'm going to mention have graced our teams. They've performed to a high level. However, they've now fallen out of favour this preseason for a variety of reasons, but discard at your own peril. Number one, I'm going to start with Dane Zorko. He's currently in just 2% of teams. He's at 701k. And he's coming off a 96 average in 2018. The biggest thing with Dane Zorko was obviously he struggled with the tag last year for Brisbane. Uh, he was frustrated a lot of the time. He was the number one midfielder. Even though Beamsy was there last year, Zorko was still the one who was uh, the most damaging, I guess. And he was kicking goals and, and breaking lines. So teams preferred to tag him. And, and they saw that a tag did affect him. So I think they went to him more often than not. It's probably looking likely it's going to happen again. He has got Lockie Neal now this year in place of, of Beamer. But uh, look, he still does have that super high ceiling. Last year, he pumped out that 176, if you remember. So he can win a fantasy game off his own boot. And he's also uh, proven in the past that he can average well over 100. In uh, 2017, he had an average of 114 and 2016, 106 average. So... He's in an improving team. There's some positives there and perhaps maybe wait a little bit on him and see how he goes with the tag if he is getting tagged at the, at the start of the season. But he's definitely one to keep an eye on as a point of difference. The second one I like is from St Kilda, Seb Ross. And he is also in just 2% of teams at the moment as well. 
currently at 779k so you're paying a premium price for this bloke and uh, there are a lot of good players around that price but he is coming off a 107 average last year and that was after a really slow start to the season the biggest thing i love about seb ross was his last six games of 2018 he averaged 126 fantasy points in his last six games. So that's a big tick in the box for me. He's a stat filler. He loves uh, to get the marks. He loves to get the tackles. And he can go 25 plus uh, in possessions as well. So he ticks all that, those boxes. He rarely gets tagged as well. The tag usually goes to Jackie Stevens. And look, that probably has the potential again to happen this year. I think uh, Jack Stevens has still got a couple of really good years in him. Um, so I think Seb Ross gets away with being that second uh, second best midfielder in an improving team. And he's still working his way into his prime years as well. He's only 26 years of age. So I do like the looks of Seb Ross at the moment. But as I said, there are a lot of good players around that price range, which fantasy coaches probably will prefer to go to. My third one is Sammy Menegola, and he's currently in 3% of teams, uh, priced at 760K, uh, 716K, and he's a forward for most of us, and he's coming off a 97 average last year. I think the biggest thing at the moment with, with fantasy coaches and Menegola is everyone's going for Dangerfield, or they're going for uh, Tim Kelly. There's also Dalhouse there that a few have opted for as a as a uh, mid-price bargain, I guess, as well. And look, potentially uh, down the future as well, you're going to get Gary Ablett in the forward line also because, look, the Cats have talked about playing him as a permanent forward. So you could potentially end up with four Geelong players in your forward line here. So Menegol is the one that's missed out for the time being in terms of uh, ownership with only 3%. But the thing is with, with him is he's super consistent. Uh, he's coming off a, a 101 and an 89 uh, season average in his last two. And we've got to remember, he's only going into his fourth AFL season here. It, it feels like he's been around for longer, but he was that mature age player. But it is different being in the AFL system um, going into your fourth year now. So... I think there is still improvement there for Menegola, and he's another one who can who can fill the stat sheet as well. So he's he's an awesome tackler. He's always going to get those tackles. You know, he's going to average that five or six tackles a game, and he'll never get tagged. That's the thing with that Geelong midfield, and um, so he's he's always going to play that sort of fourth or fifth midfielder role and just float around between the forward line and and the centre there. Um, yeah, the only issue I have is too many cats forward. Can we have too many up forward? Possibly not, because blokes like Menegola and Kelly are basically midfielders. So even though it looks a bit lopsided in your fantasy team, I think in actual real life, these guys are in fact midfielders and it's fine to have them there. So I do still like the looks of Menegola um, as a point of difference at the moment, surprisingly. My fourth one is from the Gold Coast, and this one here is a bit of a forgotten hero, and it's Braden Fiorini. Now, this guy here burst onto the scene a couple of years ago uh, in his first season, and I remember him coming into um, coming into the Gold Coast side towards the end of the year there, and he pumped out that massive fantasy score. Everyone was all over him the following year, 
um, and his his ownership was was pretty high for a player that had only played uh, a handful of games or a couple of games. But uh, he does have a really nice fantasy game about him. He's currently in zero percent of teams. That's the thing. So, um, I mean, he could be in sort of 0.5 of percent or something. But um, it's it's telling me here zero percent of teams. So under one percent anyway. He's 665k, so it's that awkward price. And there's a few, uh, I guess, fallen premium players that are around that price as well. Uh, you've got blokes like Taranto that are coming through. So he's 660k Taranto that a lot of coaches are sort of getting on on board with at the moment. But you've also got blokes like Rory Sloan and Dustin Martin around that same price range. So um, I think he's going to stay a point of difference until he breaks out, if he, or if he breaks out. Um, but he's coming off a 91 average last year. He did have a breakout last year, I guess a mini breakout, you could call it. Uh, he went uh, plus 14 points on his 2017 average. The only issue that I have with him is that Gold Coast are terrible and they are in a rebuilding phase. So they're going to have a lot of games where they get pumped and they didn't have the best fantasy game about them as a team, even though Fiorini's game is really good for fantasy, um, the the team itself is, is not so good. So um, he does have a really nice stat line last year. He uh, he averaged 22 possessions, four and a half marks, four and a half tackles. So those premium players, and uh, to tell you the truth, looking at uh, someone like Josh Kelly um, from the Giants, uh, looking at his previous two seasons before he had his big breakout season, um, a couple of years ago, uh, Fiorini's stats do mirror his stats quite well, to tell you the truth. So uh, there is some similarities there, but obviously the team that he's playing for, uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's a worry. Um, and also today we just found out that he's in the in the leadership group as well for Gold Coast. So so Stewie Jew has obviously rated him this preseason enough to to elevate him into that leadership group, which which is. I guess only only a good sign for for what's coming this year for uh, for Fiorini. And uh, the last one there uh, is is an old favourite, uh, Scotty Pendlebury. At the moment, he's in just one percent of teams. If you want someone who's really consistent, uh, this is the guy to go for. He's seven hundred thirty eight k though, so you are paying a bit for someone. Um, I guess who you could possibly go a little bit lower and, and get some of those fallen premiums. I like to call him the uh, the Tim Duncan of uh, of AFL because he is just that boring type of player, gets the job done, um, doesn't have a super high ceiling anymore, but he is coming off a 98 average last year, which I think is a bit down on what he, he could have produced. He did have his fair share of injuries, so I think he can go back over that 100 mark. He is very reliable, as I said, but he is 31 years of age now, so look, it's around this age whether we see some players go on the decline or plateau. I can't see him going any higher than a, a 103, 104 average at best. But at the same time, his basement there um, is is quite high. So he, he will rarely go under 90 for you um, unless, he's, unless he's carrying an injury into games. So um, blokes like, you know, Dustin Martin, Sloan again, and even Taylor Adams, are all a little bit less than him, so I think that's the reason why his percentage is so low as well. Um, just keep in mind, there has been talks about him perhaps moving into defence 
as well. So you could possibly get that dual position later in the year. But if he does get that uh, defender status later in the year, I think a lot of coaches will obviously probably just pick him up as a defender um, because uh, the Collingwood midfield is quite strong. He could push back there. Okay, so the next five I'm about to mention have some of the highest ownership percentage currently. And I've dubbed these guys Pops, which are players of popularity. And it might be a smart move to phase some of these players to get the jump on the competition early in the season and perhaps spend your extra dollars elsewhere around the ground. Then again, they might burn you by not having them, but that's the risk we're willing to take. So I'm going to start off number one here with Dan Hanabry. Currently in 29% of teams. Super cheap price at 434k compared to what he could potentially produce back in his heyday when he was at Sydney. He's just jumped over to St Kilda. I think that is still an inflated uh, percentage at the moment. I think there's possibly a lot of coaches out there who have put in an uh, initial team. They've seen Dan Hanbury at a low price and potentially just left him there and said, I'll you know, deal with my team after JLT or, or during the JLT games. So I think that percentage, based on what's been happening this preseason, could, could very well drop uh, quite a bit. So we've, uh, we've touched on his, his soft tissue injuries quite a lot. He's obviously got those hamstring issues, and he's had another interrupted preseason with those again. Uh, currently, he's just coming back from one. And look, for someone who is so injury prone and been so injury prone now for the best part of three to four seasons, he's a definite fade for me. I cannot see him going in my team. There's too many other mid prices if you want a mid price in your midfield um, who are better options. You know, uh, you've got you got blokes like Miles. Uh, Libertore, and you know, you're going to pay a bit more for Brad Crouch, but I would put all three of those mid prices in front of Hanabry at the moment. Uh, also, you know, the midfield depth of St Kilda, it could very well be that they rest him during the year, so uh, they definitely have the, the, the midfielders to cover Hanabry during the year if they want to rest him for one or two games here and there as well, just to save him from those hamstring injuries through the year. Uh, and and lastly, look, the, the, the Saints are probably going to be a, a bottom eight team again, potentially. So it's um, there's a lot of a lot of negatives there for, for Hanabry. Obviously, you know, he does have some upside if he gets back to that form, but I can't see that happening at the moment, the, the way things are going injury-wise for him. So I, I would fade him. Uh, my second one there is Jack McRae. Now, this is a controversial one. Obviously, McRae is a superstar, and I would not say otherwise to anybody else, but he's in currently 33% of teams and 890000 Now, that's a huge, huge chunk of your salary cap. We've got to keep in mind that his previous season high average was 104. So. You know, this is a bloke who's gone, you know, 15, 16 points above what he's done previously, his best. Um, look, one, 
one bad score or, uh, you know, a, a, an injury or something like that, and his price is going to plummet at, at that price range, at 898 k He's not Tom Mitchell. So I think there's a lot of fairness to coaches out there who are saying, you know, this is our this is our Tom Mitchell replacement. We're just going to set and forget him, you know, as captain. And that's fine. But, um, look, I would take, you know, Mitchell over over McRae any day of the week if he if he wasn't injured, obviously. But um, look, if if you're gonna go uh, say two hundred thousand dollars less, you're looking at Taylor Adams. So you look at someone like Taylor Adams, two two thousand seventeen. He had a hundred and fourteen average. So I'm not saying that he's gonna get back to that average. He could very well go close to it. But, you know, $200,000 somewhere else on your field, that's, you know, that's going from a, from a Sam Jacobs up to a Max Gorn or, you know, a, a premium Ruckman in, in, in that case that you, that you won't have to touch again during the year, you know. So I'm going to, I'm seriously thinking, and at the moment Jack McRae isn't in my team, I'm thinking of fading him at the moment um, at 33% ownership. And I'm going to spend the dollars elsewhere to try and improve my team. But definitely on my radar and definitely someone who is probably going to finish in the top five midfielders by the end of the year. So I'm, I'm going to want him there by the end of the year, but I'm not going to start with him. Number three, I'm looking at Will Setterfield. Now... Setterfield is currently in almost half of the team. So he's in 47% of our teams and he's 251k. I think he's a hyped pick at the moment. He's a forum hype pick for the moment. And I think that's another inflated percentage uh, just because he's had so much uh, talk around him. You've got to remember he isn't a bottom eight team. He's 80,000 more than Gibbons, Bewley, Hayes, all these guys who are mature age players as well, and they're 170k basement prices. He has had an interrupted preseason as well, so he's just getting back into the main training now. For me, I'm seriously thinking about fading him at the moment. He was in my team at the start there, like everybody else's, and I had him up forward for a while. I flicked him in between forward and midfield, trying to balance the team up. But I'm thinking now, looking at that percentage, I could quite easily spend the $80,000 somewhere else on my team. So that's a fair bit, fair chunk of money to spend. And there's new uh, 170K midfielders popping up every week. So all these intra-club games that we're watching or listening to and reading about the articles and when these JLT games start up this weekend, there's going to be uh, more and more of these 170K mature age midfielders and I'm going to plonk one of those in instead of set a field, I think, if they're lining up in round one. Uh, number four, Chad Wingard. Another one that was in my team initially um, at the start of January there after he was going quite well uh, during the preseason. But he's currently in 28% of teams and priced at 590k. As a forward, you would get him. He's got those tissue calves at the moment, the old man calves happening this preseason. He's just getting back into training now, I've been reading. But nevertheless, it is a worry. It's an interrupted preseason that we don't need. And there are other players around his price that are 
probably a bit more reliable in terms of of injury. I did like the fact that uh, he probably would spend a bit more time in the midfield due to due to Mitchell's injury, but at the same time, he's going to play probably a similar role to someone like uh, someone like Heaney in the fact he's going to push forward and and uh, go into the midfield when required. So he's got a really low basement. So when he has a shocker, he has a really bad shocker. He scores 50s and 60s. Uh, that's what I didn't like about him as well. And those other players around him, there's, you know, Petraka, who's coming through, he's looked really good this preseason. Someone like Michael Walters even, who is looking to get probably more midfield time uh, at Frio as well. And even uh, Jack Billings, who's a, he's a little bit more expensive. I think he's about uh, 20K more or or 16,000, more than Wingard. I like those three better than him at the moment based on what's happening with his, his carbs and his injury. So um, I, I want to see him in JLT. And look, if he does well in the JLT, he could very well make his way back into my team. But at 28% ownership, um, I think there's possibly some uh, better options at the moment. And he's currently a fade for me. And the last one I'm going to talk about is Nat Fife. Now, Fife was looking pretty good for a while there. He's currently in 16% of teams, which is not super high, but still a decent percentage of teams at 741,000 as a midfielder. And he's obviously got that niggling elbow injury that he's had to go in for surgery for now after the AFLX game. And look, they're saying he's, he's going to play a He's going to play JLT. He's going to play at least one game. They're saying it's not huge surgery. I'm not really too concerned about about it, and the club doesn't seem too concerned about it either. But there's quite a few boxes that um, I'm not liking in terms of uh, what's going to happen with Fifey during the season. So, I mean, with, with Neil gone there, he sticks out even more as the number one midfielder for Frio. He, he's going to get tagged every week, basically. So... He is potentially one of the players of the competition that you could call untaggable just because of his, his size as a as a midfielder and the, the way he goes about it in the air. But, you know, it's, it's going to run him into the ground, I think, you know, by the time, um, by, by, by the, time the, the buyers come around. So um, I don't like that fact that he's going to get tagged week in, week out. He's really got no help in the midfield there. He's got a lot of young fellas coming through and I think that's part of the reason why they got uh, got Bewley into the team as as a bit of a stronger body to help out blokes like um, like Chera and, and Brayshaw um, and obviously Fife. so I think yeah he's not going to get a huge amount of help in the midfield there in terms of uh, getting the ball fed out to him he's going to have to do a lot of the dirty work and again the Dockers are probably looking at a, a bottom eight position as well so um Look, his his injuries are the biggest concern for me. I think he's another one who's possibly, you know, been hyped up a little bit uh, during the preseason to a point. Um, but he, he he can go on those those scoring runs. Like he does have a really good ceiling, and he's he's sort of, he's had a few runs where you know eight, nine, ten games where he'll just go he'll go nuts, and everyone wants him in their team, sort of thing. But then he'll just somehow find a way to get injured or 
you know, I'm I'm just looking here. He's he's played he's played 42 out of out of a maximum of 69 games in the past three seasons. So, yeah, he does have that factor about him. But um, yeah, I don't think the elbow is a huge concern. But at 16 16% ownership, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade on Fife as well. There's there's other players around that price that are are more consistent with their injuries, um, or not getting injured, and and also more consistent with their scoring. I think as well. So there you are, some popular and not so popular picks before round one. Remembering these percentages could chop and change once JLT kicks off and coaches start to go into team shuffle overdrive. Now I know fantasy coaches don't like to tell, but if you do want to share your fantasy gems or if you would like to know the ownership percentage of one of your players there, be sure to hit us up on our Twitter page with the handle at fanpod40. Or if you simply have any fantasy questions about your team in the lead up to round one, we'll be happy to answer those as well. Remember to check out the site at fanpod40.com where we have our other four AFL fantasy preseason episodes loaded up there for your listening pleasure. In the next episode, it's all about the JLT preseason games week one, as I'll be doing a full recap on which players are ticking all the right boxes who's put their hand up for round one, and which players perhaps need a second thought before we lock them into our teams. Thanks again for listening, guys. Enjoy the footy being back this weekend.